0: Welcome back, Rockstars. We have a fantastic episode today because we are going deep on influencer marketing. And our guest today is Susanna Yi. She's the founder of Digital Everything Consulting. She uh, provides brands, companies, and especially early stage startups with strategic uh, marketing partnerships with influencers and micro influencers. And so an easier way of saying that is that she is the one that really sets up, goes out there finds and puts together strategic partnerships with influencers in the space where her clients want to build, reach, brand recognition, and influence and and make more sales. And uh, we talk a little bit about how she structured the agency. She's shifting away a little bit from uh, doing all the implementation and into the more of the strategy work. And she's actually packaged a lot of that strategic thinking into her own course. We touch on that. Uh, But mostly we go really deep down the rabbit hole on just what influencer marketing is. It's, uh, It's one of our key strategies here uh, with the podcast production firm. Uh, We want all of our clients at the end of a year running their own podcast to have relationships with 24 of the top influencers in their space because those are the people that end up, uh, you know, emailing and promoting the episode to their list. They end up booking our clients on their podcasts oftentimes or on their event stages. And just a lot of good things happen from just building that network of strategic referral partnerships and strategic influencers in your space. That's exactly what Susanna does in a little bit different space than what we play in She's dealing with really big brands and uh, and sometimes startup companies that are very well funded and they're going into uh, very, very competitive niches like health and beauty, for example. So she gives some great examples, but we really go deep on kind of what what does a win-win relationship with an influencer uh, look like? How do you go out and how do you find those people? What's the difference between uh, someone that has a large audience versus a micro-influencer who might have a smaller audience, but they're much more engaged and they're also much more likely to take the action that the micro-influencer is asking them to do, which at the end of the day is really what counts in terms of what drives sales. We also talk a little bit about fake influencers and how you can tell someone who is a fake influencer versus a real influencer. And and if you are in the realm of advising clients to do something that is in their long-term best interest, but doesn't always have short-term quick hit results, Again, this is a great conversation because we touch on how do you how do you instill that how do you set the expectations with clients that this is a long-term strategy, right? It's not something where you can build relationships with 30 influencers in the first month. This is a long-term strategy with very long-term results and it can also end up getting you earned media. In other words, the fact that you're reaching out and connecting with influencers can then get picked up and their mention of you can get picked up by other forms of media and end up being essentially earned uh, you know, PR, earned media. So that's an, uh, an extra bonus of this type of strategy. So if you are interested in influencer marketing, or if you're already doing it, and you want to do it at a higher level, this is the episode for you. If you've never thought about it, to me, this is, this is the next step. This is, this is true relationship marketing. It's getting into relationship and making sure that we have a core of relationships with the top thought leaders and influencers in our spaces. And if we're in an expert or a creative type of business, that really is our security. That, that is the backbone of my business. Even if podcasting completely changes or radically shifts, I won't be that much affected because I have the relationships with all the top people in my space. So I can shift my business if I need to with the changing times and the relationships will stay intact. And that's what I want for you too. So with that being said, let's jump into the conversation with Susanna. Well, Susanna, officially welcome to the UX Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: I am super pumped for this conversation. We've never had anyone on the show to really talk about influencer marketing, even though that's really a kind of a key piece of what we do for clients by booking their guests on podcasts, they end up building all these relationships and introducing them to other influencers in their field. And it sounds like you do some something similar, but you're, you know, approaching it from more of a strategic perspective and you're going out finding and identifying who they are and helping to kind of bridge that gap and form the relationships. So I want you to share a little bit with just how did you get into that, that arena, that little specialty of the marketing world?
1: Uh, you know, it started in about 2000. I started working in sales and marketing and business development in startups. And I really just love the internet in every single way. So I ended up, you know, a power seller on eBay, (laughs) selling uh, vintage clothing and bags and shoes designer. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was just fun. And so uh, everything about the internet is fascinating to me. I I love googling and learning about things. I love watching YouTube. So it just sort of, happened. You know, I ended up with um, a fashion blog in 2007 uh, while working in digital marketing and, uh, you know, so sales and marketing became digital marketing. And I started working in that world and then um, had a blog that was a fashion blog because people kept asking me, where did you get whatever you're wearing? And I got tired of sending emails to friends. So I put a blog together and then companies started calling me and saying, would you like to come to New York and be part of our focus program or you know, like Condé Nast had a launch with Dior for a new lipstick line. And where you come to the Condé Nast building and, you know, sit with 20 other bloggers from different uh, specialties, niches, and would you like to sit with us and tell us your thoughts on this new product? And then, you know, I went to New York and met with um, an online retailer uh, and they had me choose the outfits I liked, styled them, and then they put me on their site and then um just showed the readers what I was interested in. So it started sort of like that. And then um, uh, one year, um, a designer came to LA and said, you know, I'm just looking for a bunch of tastemakers to have dinner with so we can launch a new handbag line. Can you put that together? So then I put it together and brought my friends in and people that I knew that were influencers. And that went really well. Um, And then I thought, wait, I think this is a business, you know, and Um, I started my own social media, um, company and at the time I just called it a social media company, social media marketing company. And I started just getting all these startups who are interested in what I was doing. And usually they were going from their A to B round and they needed a little finessing in their branding side. Uh, So they would just call me and say, um, we don't know what's wrong with our social media or our, you know, our look and feel on our site because people aren't you know, they're not resonant. Yeah. Yeah. So then I would go and look at their site and their content and I'd say, well, I, I I think I know who your target audience is, but you're not talking to them with your content right now because I don't know who you're talking to, but that's (laughs) wrong. Right. So, so we talk about that and copywriting and things like that. Right. And then, so that kind of became its own business, but then at the same time, this influencer stuff came into play. So, uh, long story, I'm putting it together. But 2011, I was voted um, a social media pioneer by eHow. And then uh, in 2012, I did a campaign with um, some partners who uh, owned um, a graphic design web development company. And uh, we signed guests because they wanted to do a relaunch, sort of a freshening up of their brand. Um, So um, we did a a colored denim uh, campaign on Pinterest and hired uh, four to five influencers that talked about each of the different denim colors and then pinned their own boards and they got their followers to do the same Mm -hmm. while running a $500 gift card giveaway to drive Mm -hmm. people to the site um, and also to the stores. And that went viral, actually. Mashable picked it up and uh, that Mm -hmm. link is still live. Um, It talks about the top Pinterest campaigns for that year, uh, in 2012. Um, and Yahoo picked it up and it got a lot of earned media, which is great Mm -hmm. ROI for an influencer campaign. And that's kind of one of the first things that really became it, you know, what I did. So then that's kind of how it went from there. That's what happened.
0: Yeah. uh, The, what I love about the story there is you, you've been on both sides of it, right? So now you're on the side of kind of creating the strategy and building the relationships, but you've been the person that they've been building relationships with you. So you know exactly what it's like to be in the influencer shoes. And I have that kind of same thing going on because I got into what I do now on the agency side by doing it myself. Right. So I am a podcaster first and a podcast producer and agency owner kind of after that, like it all kind of came after. And yeah, it just, it gives you a different perspective and, um, it, to me, it helps feed everything to where the entire, like the agency that you probably built is wildly different from what you would have built if you had come into it without that experience of being on the receiving end first. The way that you reach out and build relationships is probably wildly different. So I love how it's kind of, it's a natural evolution from you being an actual influencer yourself.
1: Yeah, I really, I, I think they, uh, influencers actually, um, uh, what's the word? They're happy that they meet me because I'm, I'm not trying to, I understand where they're coming from, and I I want to make it fair for everybody. I mean, you know, these companies they have money for marketing, you know, but I know everything's about the bottom line. But we have to be fair because everybody has to work and make a living. And so, some of these deals that I see that come through, I'm like, that is just so uncool, you know. And so, mm. anytime I have a client who wants to do a certain campaign and they say well, we want to pay them X, I'm like, that is not. I mean, do you know how long it takes to make content? You know, I. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, you know right. what I mean. Like I'm sort of yeah. I'm I am on the client side, but I want to make sure that the influencer is going to deliver and not phone it in. You know, yeah. so in order to get good results for everybody, everybody needs to be happy. So mm. that's kind of how I approach all these relationships with these people, and that's why if I and it's really hard to get influencers to do anything for you because they're busy. So yeah. if I am gonna give them a bad campaign, they're not gonna work with me again. Mm-hmm. So that. That's not good either. So I just want to keep that around. um,
0: I think clients probably underestimate just how much of our own personal reputation is on the line when we're the ones that are brokering the relationships. And and we have to, like, be the one that manages our own reputation. So sometimes you have to say no to someone on both sides because you just know, you just don't believe the deal is going to be good. And you have to be the, the, the good steward of that relationship. But I'm curious, we were talking a little bit before we hit record, uh, that there's different types and different levels of influencers. And and you see the same thing that I see in, in my spaces, which is everybody wants to go for the biggest names possible because they just want to go for the sheer audience numbers. Uh, and you haven't found that to be super, super effective either. Um, and you talk a little bit about micro influencers. So what do you see as the the difference and and how should we be thinking about it?
1: Uh, Well, I've seen it personally, but there was also a report, a benchmark report that just came out recently uh, that talks about their, uh, you know, they did a sort of report with 800 marketers out there that have worked with influencers in some way or another or brands. And between 2016 and 2018, what they've seen is the biggest engagement level actually comes from micro-influencers, which are Mm -hmm. people who have less than 100,000, but more than 20,000 followers. Okay. And those people usually have a 3 to 4% engagement rate, which is really huge, um, versus uh, somebody who has a million followers who ends up with a 1%, sometimes less than 1% engagement rate, uh, because everybody who's following this million and up influencer, it's, it's everybody. It's everyone you can think of because they just want to make sure they're following them so they can see what they're doing or what the trends are. They're not necessarily invested in them or interested in what they have to say versus a micro-influencer has an audience that is really invested in their, what they're talking about because it's so specific.
0: Yeah, well, and I was just gonna ask you that, which you, you kind of answered that, but when, when you're looking at it from the outside and you're looking for a micro-influencer and you wanna tell, you know, besides running the numbers and trying to figure out, okay, how many likes and engagements and comments and stuff are they getting for every post? So outside the numbers, uh, when you say that they're very specific, what are you looking for that's like the earmark of a good micro-influencer?
1: It depends on what the target is for my client so say mm-hmm. my client is really interested in let's just say they're selling a paleo snack for kids like that's super okay. specific right yeah. so that's a mom who's buying snacks for their kids who's interested in making sure their kid is paleo right so that's like like two really mm-hmm. and that's a specific target right deep. yeah so i mean when you're looking at a, a like a, a a target for an influencer you want to look for yes a paleo person but you know, ideally a mom influencer, who's a paleo person. So that's a very specific person. And if you find that person, that's gold because that person has an audience that's truly engaged in exactly what this person is doing. And, um, when you're marketing, you want to make sure that this person's only talking to those people. It's, it's sort of like wasted effort and content if they're talking to everybody and anybody.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree. I, you know, we get a lot of our clients that their first their first instinct in terms of, well, you know, how do I grow my podcast? Well, let's get, let's get Gary Vaynerchuk. Let's get Cardone. Let's, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Let's get Amy Porterfield. Right. So we, they automatically look for the people that just have the biggest audiences. And, And I found the same thing to be true, right? The often their best engagement comes from the people that have, it's not that they have no name, but they don't have as big a name, but they talk about something that's way more specific. And because of that, they get a way, they get way more engaged, um, uh, an audience that actually pays attention because it's, it's specific and so it feels to them to my clients sometimes Well, like you're overlooking people or you're leaving people out and that's true But that's also to me That's where the higher engagement comes from is the fact that those micro influencers intentionally leave people out They don't try to say something that appeals to everybody because it goes goes back to your point about being very very specific
1: hmm and, and I've seen the success of very specific because you know the earned media um, which is a byproduct ROI of a good campaign. You know, we have I've done stuff for clients where it's like somebody like a holistic nutritionist, like how specific is that, right? So holistic yeah. nutritionist is writing about my client's product, and then we have a big star, a big reality star who thanks her on her social media, and then it get, gets picked up by press because mm-hmm. She said, I saw it on her social media feed. Thank you so much. I'm taking mm-hmm. it now and I love it. And then it just goes everywhere. Right. So, like, yeah. that to me is, you know, that's, that's, that's like success.
0: Yeah. For my client. Yeah. And it takes, and it takes a strategic mind to kind of see all those connections and potential connections. Um, so, we talked about the types of influencers. Um, who do you consider fake influencers?
1: <sighs> fake influencers. <laughs> well, people who, um, like they came out of nowhere and they don't have a resume. I mean, I, what does that mean? Right? Like that means like, like what's like, where did you come from? Like, what do you stand for? What is your thing? What is your platform? Like, what are you talking about? Right? So like there's some that just talk about everything and they try to talk about something and then they're really talking about nothing. Like they don't stand mm-hmm. for anything. They don't believe in anything. They're always just randomly talking about stuff and you can see it. Cause it just, the feed just looks really convoluted. Like you don't know what they're talking about ever. And then, Their fakeness comes from the engagements are really strange. They're super generic. Mm -hmm. Um, No one's talking about what they've posted about or they don't, you know, it doesn't seem like they know them at all. Right.
0: Yeah. They're not the comments, but then there's no comments back. There's no like real engagement and conversation around the posts, things like that.
1: Yeah. And they're super, super generic, like, Oh, awesome. Thanks. You know, as opposed to like, you know, or, I mean, I love it when there's some negative comments. It's actually good. You know, like they don't agree with them or, you know, why did you say that? You know, okay, well, great. So that's better than uh, great. Yay. You know, cause you mm-hmm. don't know what those are. Yeah.
0: So funny. I was thinking about that this morning. Um, I was thinking about, uh, I was writing an article about what, like why podcasts grow and why they don't. And when you really get down to it, you're, you're very right that a lot of people say things that they don't really know what they stand for. And it's so innocuous. You can't like, nobody can disagree with it. And yeah. I think that's a really good litmus test for whether you have something that that like a strong belief that's unique to you is you, you got to be able to say something that somebody disagrees with, like somebody in your space should disagree with your point of view. Otherwise, you're not really saying anything that's different. Uh, and so we're starting to get a little bit more clear on how we present our podcasts and just my, zeroing in on my point of view, uh, because I think it's uh, most of us, our natural reaction is we think we've got something really unique. But then, if you really boil it down, it's not something somebody else could disagree with. They automatically agree. The only question is, are you saying it in maybe kind of a new way? And it's hard to do. It's a lot easier to say something that's just controversial that this legitimately makes you unique and set apart. So I love that. That's one of the things that you kind of look out for. Um, now, when you're when you're reaching out to like start and kick off that relationship. Um, you mentioned that you're, you're really looking at that relationship between your client, who's the company looking to do the campaign, and these micro-influencers, for example. Tell me a little bit about what a win-win for both sides looks like so that we can all keep that in mind when we're trying to you know, look for influencers to have on our shows.
1: I think first and foremost, you need to have that conversation with your client internally in the, the brand side. You have to say, okay, what is our goal here? right? So end of our day, what is our goal here? Because it can get ugly if you're with a big brand. Like I've, I've worked with a couple of public companies, right? So what happens is if the CMO is not on board with what their KPIs are, with what their key performance indicators are, or their goals. And if the CFO hasn't signed off on the budget and Mm -hmm. if the legal department hasn't figured out their template that works with what the CMO and the business wants, Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, if they have a science department that's involved that's dealing with content and like <laughs> clinical studies. Yeah, so right? sign like, off on everything. Like that, that is like four big things that if you don't get that all settled before you go out to the influencer and then you start this campaign, it's a nightmare. It's a potential nightmare. And it could get it it can it could get bottlenecked to the point where content doesn't get approved, it gets sent back. You know, the influencers like by the time you prove their thing. It's like two months later, you know, you can't, and then, and then you get the influencer on board, but then they can't get started because the legal department can't figure out. Yeah. So everything has to happen inside first. Everything has to, you have to have made all your decisions. Everybody needs to be on the same page and then you decide what your goals are. You decide what your strategy is and your budget. And then you go out to the influencer and say, Hey, we got this. Are you interested? Mm -hmm. And then you make sure you have a little wiggle room of the budget if you're really interested in someone. But But you shouldn't be doing this back and forth in front of these other people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And what's funny is when you deal with entrepreneurs, it doesn't always solve that problem because sometimes – all those roles are all in their head and they all, they all yell at each <laughs> other. Yes, <laughs> so. yes, yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> all
0: yes. right. So in the last few minutes that we have left, I wanted to take a step back uh, and just let people know kind of how to connect with you. What's the best place to go to connect both on uh, in terms of hiring you from the client side or in terms of if there's other agency owners who are listening, where they feel like you'd be a better fit, or maybe they want to bring you in for the strategy side. What's the best way to connect and reach out to you?
1: I think people really like finding me on LinkedIn because they know exactly what they're looking at. So um, uh, under LinkedIn, I'm under Susanna Yee, S-U-S-A-N-A-Y-E-E. And you can see everything and you can see what things I've written about um, in terms of influencer marketing. You can also see where I've gotten some press. Uh, You can also go straight to my website to take a look at what I'm doing. So I, I think that's a really good place for especially businesses to find
0: me. Perfect. Okay. So final question for you. So you mentioned a little bit about the results and the KPIs and kind of getting all that straightened out on the client side first. Um, when somebody comes to you for an influencer marketing, like an actual campaign, and they're they're expecting to be able to tie that back to KPIs, what are you typically tracking if there is any consistent things that you're always tracking? and And what does the client believe in the end that they are paying for? What are the deliverables that you can point to as the agency owner and say, hey, here's what you delivered here's what you said you wanted and here's how they match up versus just this kind of nebulous. We want more influence. We want more brand reach and more recognition, which is all very, who knows if you've succeeded or not. How do you bring that down into the realm of tracking?
1: Uh, Usually what I make sure they have are UTM links um, Mm -hmm. set in place to track every single thing that happens with this influencer. So you give them one, give them Mm -hmm. one for their campaign and you make sure they use it everywhere. The other thing is uh, the goals. Okay. So like, we know that they'll probably get branding. We know they'll get impressions, right? And right. we know that some of this stuff is very long tail. So, you know, maybe a year from now, they might get something for it. So we have to sit down and really decide what that is. I mean, if they really want sales, right, you need to make sure you're driving towards sales. Like every single thing this influencer does is driving towards the cart, um, whatever they do, you know, whether it's talking about the product and then giving call to actions in every single place that they do that. Um, if they are interested in email signups, call to actions, drive it towards that, but make sure that you, um, it are, are using these links to track this too. So, I mean, if your influencer gets them there, but then that person doesn't sign up for the email, they still got them there. So that's not a fail, you know? So I, I think those are the kinds of things and you, you want to actually explain this to the brand or client from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, let them know that you will be tracking everything. Let them know that, um, as long as their goals are clear and we're all on the same page, that this is what we're planning on doing and you're going to show them those results. And okay. So if we got, I, I think if you could get 4% of them to, to transact, that's a win. Like yeah. usually it's a 2% close rate, um, in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, well, compared right, so to like classic direct yeah. Mail, yeah, it's four times what the really good direct mail pieces would get back in the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you get two to 4%. That's huge. Mm -hmm. 4% is huge. So um, just help them, you know, I think from the beginning, make sure your client understands what they're working with and um, expectations, what their expectations are. And everybody is sort of on the same page, but this is, they are going to get something out of it. I mean, you know, I mean, I feel like when we do any type of influencer marketing campaign, they always get something out of it. Um, If they didn't get a sale out of it, they got earned media out of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it comes like four months later, you know, and the campaign was three months long. So, you know, that's the kind of thing they have to realize. And then the way you set up these uh, goals, you know, if you do a blog post that lives forever on that person's site, you can get a result a year from now. So they have to remember this too, that we're sort of planting seeds. And, um, you know, how many times do you drive by a billboard before you actually watch that show on Netflix?
0: Yes, exactly. Isn't it? Isn't it uh, the stats are something like eight to 10, impressions consistent repetitive you know impressions before somebody even remembers a brand name let alone yeah. actually takes any action on it so yeah i think i think most of our clients probably wildly underestimated they they don't they don't recognize in their own behavior that that's how long it takes for them to do anything and they assume that when they put something into the world somebody's going to see it once and take action sadly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, really rarely, but you know, rarely mm-hmm. if you're selling something go, like, oh my God, that's what I thought I wanted. And here you are, you know, you like, <laughs> you know, how often is that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, which I wish we had time to get into the conversation, but I want to honor your time. But yeah, this is, this is one of the reasons why if, uh, you're, you're starting to switch from <clears throat> strategy and implementation to more strategy and training your clients or getting to the point where you can start training clients. And especially junior staff on their team on how to do kind of the rank and file part of this strategy, right? Because it's the thinking part that's the really the high value part. It's, it's determining who the right relationships are, how do you reach out to them, what the win-win deal is, and then the rest of it's, you know, just paperwork and execution and stuff like that. And, and I'm on the same journey, a lot of the people that we talked to on the podcast are on that same journey. So, maybe we can have you back and we can talk a little bit more about the strategy behind that because I love that conversation. Sadly, we don't have time for that today. Um, But you do have uh, one thing that that I grabbed from your site and I'm starting to get value from is you've got that training for kind of delving into the world of influencer marketing. So just remind us again, what's the best way to connect and grab that?
1: Okay, so uh, you should go to digitaleverything.consulting, and it's right on the front page there in a big, obnoxious red button. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, click that, and then you can join the list, and you can get five pieces of content that give you a little bit of the information about how to work with influencers. And if you're interested, you can sign on for the Influencer Marketing Roadmap, which tells you from A to Z how to work with influencers, including modules, worksheets, Hmm. and templates, and videos. So really explaining it, how to do it for step, step by step from A to Z. Um, and if there are any questions, uh, I usually, I have a Facebook group that you can just go into and ask questions and I'll go in there, um, almost every day just to answer questions.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I I love what you're doing. Love that you're taking the, the expertise of the firm and putting it into a training. So you get it out there and start building, uh, I guess, building a brand around more of the strategy than around the execution. So paving the way for that that strategic shift in the agency, that's, that's spot on. So Susanna, I really appreciate it. This has been awesome.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: Hey, Rockstars. Thank you so much. I appreciate you investing your time, your effort, your energy into the show. I don't take that lightly. I so appreciate uh, you all listening and the feedback that I get from those of you who listen and engage with the show. Uh, Whether you agree or disagree with the things we talk about, I love hearing from you. So please reach out. And if you are in the audience and you're a business coach, a consultant, or you're in creative services and you're thinking about using guest appearances on podcasts and interviews to boost your business, grow your brand, build more influence and attract ideal clients, or maybe you're watching other people in your space do that and you're wondering if this strategy will work for you and how to make that work. I did a special training with a client, Dana Malstaff, who runs the Boss Mom Podcast. We produce her show. And we did a training all about that. And it's called How to Get Featured on the Right Podcast and get your ideal clients flocking to you. And a few of the things that we covered in that training, it's, it's short, it's content packed, it's only about 35 minutes long. And we talked about how to get featured on podcasts in less than two hours a week, how to find the exact right podcast for you and make friends with those podcast hosts, how to become micro-famous so you're known, liked and trusted in your space and really how to, uh, how to craft a story hook uh, that really gets the attention of podcast hosts and gets them to say yes when you reach out and pitch yourself as a guest. And so we talk about all that and a bunch more in that training. So it's available at howtogetfeatured.com. That's howtogetfeatured.com. Pop your information in there. It's free and you get it in, you know, instant access to watch. You don't have to wait for a follow-up email. You don't have to wait for a fake webinar that's not actually live. None of that. It's a recorded training. You get instant access. So go check it out. I'd appreciate it. And I've said it before on previous episodes. This is my number one marketing strategy for myself. 2019 and I learned a lot of these things in the process of building the system for myself and my staff to pitch me as a expert guest on podcasts and whenever somebody one of whether it's one of my own clients or my friends and peers and colleagues in this space that we all run in it's my number one recommendation for them too, to grow their brand, build their influence, and attract ideal clients. So if that's you and you want more of that, go check that out. That's at howtogetfeatured.com. Thanks again so much, and we'll see you on the next episode of the UX Podcast.